It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. Happy Tuesday afternoon to you. Our first full day of fall, but it feels a little more summer-like with some humidity out there and warmer temperatures. But uh, we'll get there. We'll get there, that's for sure. we got we got Susan Littlefield in here as well, with uh, along with Tyler Cavalli and Bob Brogan. And we'll start it off with Susan, our leadoff hitter today. How are things going with you today? Well, the sun is shining mm-hmm. a little bit, but we've got some cloud cover, yeah. and they're talking we could get some rain, but the soybeans are being harvested just south of me, so I'm sure the guys are like, hold off on the rain just a little bit. It's good to see folks out there getting those beans uh, cut, and uh, it's it's it feels good to do that. Clay and I were talking about it. It just feels good to start harvesting, doesn't it? It does. It'll be nice to see a little bit of dust flying from the combines, and and the truck's going down the road because it's been a long ground season. Yeah, it really has. What do you have for us today, Susan? Well, we're going to check in with Shaley coming up here to find out more about the Conservation Community Award. It went to Niobrara High School. That's going to be our 1245 Newsmakers segment. The 117 and the 1219 will be our very own Chad Moyer. As he was at an event in Kansas City yesterday, he found his way amongst flooded roads to learn more from the USDA Deputy Secretary, Steve Sensky and Jason Halfmeister, Trade Council to the Ag Secretary. So we'll talk about some important trade issues as well through the midday. Gee, trade. We we hardly ever talk about that. I know. It's such a quiet topic. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Thank you. All right. We turn it over to Tyler Cavalli in here right now. I think the big question right now on, on social uh, social networking is who, college game day, what Nebraska celebrity mm-hmm. right. should, uh, should they bring in to pick? Have you made a decision? If you had your choice, who would you decide on? Well, I, I'm leaning towards Gabrielle Union mm-hmm. a little bit. I'd kind of like to see Warren Buffett up there. It's a good one. So, you, thoughts? My thought is, I don't think you can go wrong if you do Jack you do Jack Hoffman. That's not a bad one. That's not a bad one. Uh, but I, I'm with you. If you don't go that route, you could go the Gabrielle Union. You'll probably have Dwayne Wade yep. on there as well, uh, the duo. So, uh, you know, there's some good options, It'll but be. It, it's going to be tough. Uh, it's been kind of fun to hear everybody else kind of decide and, and figure out who they want as well. A lot of people, we have it on our Facebook page, so like us if you haven't already and chime in as well. Uh, but Dave Remington as well is getting yeah. a, a very hot topic. So hmm, that's a, a lot of people want him on there. My vote's Bob Brogan, but we'll we'll see how that we'll see how that goes from there. So, what do you got for well, us? Well, of course, we will be talking about game day. Of course, yesterday they announced they'll be on the east side of Memorial Stadium. Oh, okay. So that's where they're going to set up their campus, if you will. I think that's where they did it last time at USC. I think they uh, they did it inside the it, stadium. This is outside the stadium. They're doing it outside so the stadium. So on Vine there. That's correct. Ah. Yep, right in front of the Coliseum. So that'll be kind of fun there. Okay. Uh, also, so we'll hear from Scott Frost, who talks about the the big hype, obviously heading into the game this upcoming Saturday. UNK volleyball did move up in the rankings. We'll let Jason uh, talk about that here in a couple of moments. And then, of course, uh, the Major League Baseball season, as it comes to an end, they maybe and they will actually eventually have a new season strikeout record, likely broken tonight. Forty-one thousand ninety-eight strikeouts so far this season. And a lot of home runs, so interesting. Right. Thank you, Tyler. I would turn it over to Bob Brogan quickly. Stock's down right now. Stocks are down because of consumer confidence being down. And uh, so we're watching that action. Also, the Trump administration has hiked the pay level for overtime exemption. And uh, so those are some of the things uh, fueling things today. All right, that's all coming up on Midday.
When bad weather happens, you can rely on KRVN. We are your home for up-to-the-minute coverage of flooding. And a flooded south part of Kearney. Doesn't look like any of these roads are going to open anytime soon. Tornadoes. Three tornado warnings that are in effect right now, and two of them until 745. This storm that has spawned these tornadoes has now grown. And severe weather impacting our listing area. The southern part of this tornadic thunderstorm could be moving back through the Farnham area in the next few minutes as well. We will be there to alert you to any significant weather events and we can take you to the scene with our reporters for in-moment experiences. Where we have the drone right now, we're facing to the south looking at Interstate 80 and literally right off as you head north into Kearney. This is why they have the interstate shut down. Water's over the road, so they don't want folks driving through that, obviously. With our social media pages, you can find photos, videos, and interviews in real time. Check out krvn.com for podcasts, interviews, and news stories. 880 KRVN. We are who you rely on when bad weather happens. Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. we got Paul Perkins in here uh, with us, and it's a little humid today. I was just looking at the dew points, Paul. There's some dew points that are up there in the high 60s, some 70s out there, and that could lead to some storms a little later. Yeah, especially with this cold front that's expected to move through the region today. We do have the, yeah those temperatures right now in the upper 60s to low 70s. Definitely a different feel than what we saw yesterday. It wasn't as yeah. uh, humid. And this is, of course, ahead of a cold front that will be moving through the region. We have temperatures actually dew points in the 30s as you head towards the western Nebraska Panhandle <laughs> and northeast Colorado. So very comfortable but there. But from about Ord and Broken Bow down to Lexington to Hill City, Kansas, some points off to the east and south of that, uh, those dew points are starting to get a little bit on the sticky side, especially for the late part of September on the first full day of fall. I've uh, been on the higher side with those humidities with those dew points in the upper 60s to low 70s do you think and i know this is a very tough question but does this look like maybe this is going to be one of the hotter days that we have left for a while uh, you know october we can always you never get surprised. know yeah you never you know, know i've seen october. 85 in the middle of november you know you that's a good point never mind that was, that, what a silly question what a silly question on my part what what do you got for us today, Paul? We've got temperatures right now mostly in the low and mid-70s across the area. We are touching in about the upper 70s to low 80s, though, as you head into eastern Nebraska and also into north-central and northwestern Nebraska. 82 right now at Thetford, 80 at O'Neill, but that compares with some temperatures closer to 70 on into western Nebraska. But just ahead of this cold front, we will see a spike in those temperatures. Sunshine have been on the humid side today. Those temperatures looking to be about 15 degrees warmer than normal. And hard to believe that it's going to feel very summer-like on this first full day of fall. With the passage of that cold front, thunderstorms are likely by late this afternoon and evening, but mainly in eastern areas along and east of Highway 81. Some slight chances in the central. Any storms that do develop have the potential for some hail to cold fall size and damaging winds up to 60. Right now, the Storm Prediction Center continuing to push that slight risk for severe storms a little more and more towards the east. It's now along and east of a line in Nebraska from West Point to Lincoln and Fairbury. And in Kansas, that slight risk of severe storms along and east of a line from about Belleville, Kansas. And just kind of looking at the latest one to around uh, the I-70 corridor to about Russell, Kansas. So once again, in Kansas, along and east of a line from Belleville to 
Russell, and once again along and east of a line from West Point to Lincoln and Fairbury. That slight risk of severe storms today from the Storm Prediction Center. Some much drier air working in behind that front for tonight. Lows will drop into the 50s with no problem. It did get rather chilly once again last night in the Nebraska Panhandle. Alliance with our state low getting down to 38, and they had 38, of course, uh, 36 the night before. Some high pressure move, move overhead for tomorrow and Thursday for some sunshine and seasonal temperatures. Off and on thunderstorms will be possible with the stalling of a cold front and approach of low pressure for Thursday night into Monday. Temperatures will be as cool as 5 to 10 degrees cooler than normal on Saturday, but be as much as 5 to 10 degrees warmer than normal the next day on Sunday. It will be a bit of an up-and-down pattern with this front, most likely fluctuating through the region. Western and northern areas of Nebraska may see the temperatures cool enough for some frost to form for Friday night and maybe a few nights early next week, but right now it's kind of hard to pin down when exactly we could see some of those cooler temperatures so do definitely stay tuned for further updates over the next few days our long-term forecast beginning to trend cooler for nebraska and kansas overall temperatures for most of nebraska and kansas likely to be seasonal to at least slightly warmer than normal for sunday through the first seven days of october kansas most likely on the warmer end of those temperatures northwest and north central nebraska though likely to be at least Slightly cooler than normal for Sunday through October 7th. That higher likelihood of above normal rainfall is now also further to the south from the previous forecast. Mainly earlier it was over the Dakotas and Minnesota for that very likelihood of above normal rainfall. Nebraska and Kansas now likely to see above normal rainfall for Sunday through October 7th. That better chance of higher rain over northern and eastern Nebraska. Weather factors driving the market trade include Midwest rain and improved prospects for a Brazil soybean planting. Mainly late week showers are likely to lead to five-day rainfall totals of at least one to three inches across portions of the eastern plains and upper Midwest. Some cooler air will be firmly in place by the end of the week in the north and west U.S., but late season heat will persist across the south in the Midwest. Moderate to heavy rain the next week will delay crop maturity and disrupt harvest. Western areas in the Midwest may even see a new round of flooding where soil moisture is saturated. This weekend in Montana, a freeze is possible. Also a chance at a freeze in central North Dakota. In the western half of the Canadian prairies, a season-ending freeze is forecast by the weekend. Central Brazil will see a better opportunity for soybean planting with some cooler weather on the way and some showers in the next week. All right. Well, so again, it looks like this uh, the possibility for severe weather is, as you said, is kind of moved to the east a yes, little bit. Yes. Uh, earlier, it was as far west as Norfolk to right. Grand Island and Hastings, but they continue to push that uh, severe risk a lot more to the east. And once again, that slight risk along and east of a line from about West Point down to Lincoln and Fairbury and also in Kansas along and southeast of a line from about Belleville down to Russell, Kansas. Okay, very good. All right, thank you, Paul. Where do you go to check in on your weather, sir? KRVN.com. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chad Moyer reporting. The Agricultural Business Council of Kansas City hosted the Ag Outlook Forum yesterday. One of the guest speakers, U.S. Deputy Secretary of Agriculture Steve Sensky. He gave an update on USDA's recent activities, including Farm Bill implementation and working on efforts to give farmers access to a legal and bountiful workforce. 
we're pleased that we have had the Department of Labor that has rescinded the requirement that agriculture producers have to advertise in newspapers, very outdated, outmoded, 30-ish uh, year ago thing, uh, to have to advertise in the newspaper for help, and be able to do that through state agency, <clears throat> state labor workforce, jobs, job sites, and websites. We also know that the Department of, of Labor is streamlining their H-2A forms as well. Uh, in addition to that, uh, the, the labor has proposed some changes to how they calculate the adverse wage rate to have more categories rather than just have one prevailing wage rate of recognizing that there are differences. There are supervisory responsibilities and those might get paid higher versus those in other occupations. <clears throat> and so we think that's going to be positive. And we've also been working across the board to try to make sure that we have the opportunity to improve the portal that farmers and ranchers come to so that they can utilize and come to USDA's website and be able to fill out the forms and it's those same forms that are utilized by the Department of Labor, the Department of Homeland Security, and the Department of State as they go through and, and adjudicate and work uh, to approve this. We think that's very going to be to really help simplify the process, reduce the cost of the process, because as we have said many times before, a farmer should not have to hire a lawyer in order to hire a worker. Another uh, key issue, of course, that we've been working on is the Farm Bill, disaster legislation, and trade mitigation. On the Farm Bill, we're pleased that Congress took action last, last uh, December and finally passed a new Farm Bill. We've been very, very busy implementing it. You've seen some of the results of that, the announcements of the various conservation programs, the Dairy Margin Protection Program. We just had kicked off uh, just within the last couple of weeks sign up for the farm programs. We're going to be having sign up for the Conservation Reserve Program. We're working to finalize the rules on the hemp. And so there's just a lot of things going on that we've been very, very busy standing up the programs because we know how important they are to farmers and ranchers. We've also moved forward, of course, with the disaster assistance legislation. Congress took the action to pass the disaster legislation, um, and we have uh, moved forward to announce that just over the last number of weeks so that that assistance can be available to protect and to try to help those farmers that have been affected by not only the hurricanes and wildfires, but also importantly this last year, importantly this, this year, uh, for the prevented planning situations, and there, uh, as the farmers in the in the room know, we were able uh, to top off, if you will, the indemnity payments that are going to those uh, uh, that have prevented planted situations, and working with our crop insurance companies to do that. Steve Sensky is U.S. Deputy Secretary of Agriculture. He was a guest presenter at the Ag Outlook Forum yesterday, hosted by the Agricultural Business Council of Kansas City on the Rural Radio Network. Chad Moyer reporting. Time for us to check in on sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, for the first time since 2007, Nebraska gets some national exposure as ESPN's College Game Day show will originate from Lincoln. While the Huskers are big underdogs in this one, head coach Scott Frost is excited. Uh, this is special. Uh, regardless how this game goes, 
This is a special time for Nebraska. Uh, there's some big things coming this week. Game day hasn't been here in 10 or 12 years. Um, this is a good opportunity to highlight our program, the direction the program's going, the improvement we've made, the path that we're on. It's going to be great to get a nas- some national attention in here in Lincoln. This will also be a huge recruiting weekend for the Big Red. Game day will be set up on the east side of the stadium in Lot 12 in front of the NU Coliseum. There could be some dark days ahead for KU Sports. Kansas has received a notice from the NCAA that alleges significant violations have occurred within its stored men's basketball program, including a responsibility charge leveled against head coach Bill Self. The notice also includes three level one violations tied primarily to recruiting and cites a lack of institutional control. It also includes a notice of a secondary violation of football tied to then coach David Beatty. The UNK volleyball team, thanks to a strong weekend, moved up three more spots to third in the latest regular season edition of the ABCA Division II rankings. The Lopers, who are 11-0, went 2-0 last weekend, sweeping Emporia State and then third-ranked Washburn. The Lopers are one of 12 Central Region teams ranked in the top 25. UNK will host Newman on Friday night and UCO on Saturday. And after dropping its match last week to Stanford, the Husker volleyball team falls from first to third in the latest Division I rankings. Well, Denver coach Vic Fangio says he's not going to make wholesale changes or start taking chances to break the Broncos out of their funk. Fangio says the best course is to stick with his schemes and starters and just eliminate the mistakes. Fangio is the first coach in the Broncos' 60-year history to lose his first three games, but he hopes things will be better in Game 4. Yeah, I mean, and when you say turn around, I'm just looking to get to this game. You know, I'm not looking at the entire season. We just got to figure out a way to go out and play our best, cleanest game this week. And yes, I do think we can. Denver plays Jacksonville this Sunday. and Major League Baseball season strikeout record likely will be broken today for the 12th straight year. Batters interplay with over 41,000 strikeouts, just 109 fewer than last season's mark. The 40,000 mark was broken for the first time just two seasons ago. That is a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. It's time for us to check in on some of the local news that's going on around the area, and we invited Austin Jacobson in here. Austin, i got to ask you first, have you weigh in on what celebrity should Nebraska have in the college game day? Should they invite? That's a tough. That's a, that's I, I a, that's a tough one right there. Honestly, I would really like to see Jack Hoffman go. Okay. I think he's a good story, and he started playing football again. Right. Uh, I think that that's a that's a good story right there. Um, I think they'll probably go like Dwayne Wade and Gabriel yeah. Union. I think I think it's a popular name, someone that they like. Right. And can't I can't go I'm, wrong. I'm a I th- I, Jack is a great story. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if people know it enough so. right but they but they had was, adam divine a couple of years ago when they had a wisconsin nebraska and it was in madison and of course he picked nebraska and we got blown out so i never want to see him go back no, there you should so. never ever be there again all right that, that makes total sense all right <laughs> go ahead man what do you got for us all right so in news here governor pete ricketts and the nebraska game and parks commission on monday highlighted hunting and fishing opportunities available to nebraskans greg wagner a 40-year veteran with the nebraska game and parks commission explains the role landowners play in nebraska Nebraska's conversational efforts. 97% of Nebraska is privately owned, and we need to acknowledge the great landowners of Nebraska, because without them and their role in conserving wildlife and fish and allowing access to their properties for outdoor recreation, hunting, fishing, trapping, we really would be nowhere. 
And at the event, Governor Ricketts officially proclaimed this Saturday, September 28th, as National Hunting and Fishing Day in Nebraska. After a decade of booming enrollment by students from China, American universities are starting to see steep declines as political tensions between the two countries cut into a major source of tuition revenue. Several universities have reported drops of one-fifth or more this fall in the number of new students from China. The numbers have been leveling off because of growing international competition, visa complications, and other factors even before the latest tensions with China. Drops have been reported at such schools such as the University of Vermont, which saw a 23% decline in Chinese student enrollment, and the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, which saw a 20% decrease. Some schools are stepping up recruiting in other parts of the world and working to hold on to their share of students from China. Authorities say an 8-year-old boy accidentally shot his little sister in North Platte. Officers and medics were sent to a home around 11 a.m. Monday. The 4-year-old girl was taken to a North Platte hospital for treatment and then released. More details about the accident and the children's names haven't been released yet. Chris Janicek is ready to make changes in the United States Senate. The David City native is running on the Nebraska Democratic ticket and is upset with, currently, with current sitting Senator Ben Sass and his decision to leave the Agricultural Committee in Washington. Ben Sass decided to quit the Ag Committee with the U.S. federal government and move over to the Judiciary Committee. And I don't know uh, why he would do that, being from a farm state, we went without a representative on the Agriculture Committee for a couple of years before Debbie Fisher got up on there. And Janicek's other policy changes include public health care, trades and tariffs for Nebraska farmers, and representation on committees for Nebraska. More information for Janicek's campaign can be found at JanicekForSenate2020.com. A central Nebraska mayor has denied allegations made by organizers of a recall drive against him. Petition papers naming Broken Bow Mayor Jonathan Berghorst say, among other things, that Berghorst has created a hostile work environment for city employers and showed no respect for the employees or members of the city's volunteer boards. Station KCNI reports that Berghorst denials will be placed on the recall petitions that will be circulated. And finally, in Lincoln, the Lincoln City Council has approved a pilot program for rentals of battery-powered scooters. The council voted 6-1 to one Monday for the program and it's expected to begin next year after city staffers develop the operating rules and it would end December 31st, 2020. Alright, very good. Got a, uh, Just got a text in a late entry into our cel- of our celebrity uh, for the... Who do we got? Uh, Ch- uh, Chuck Liddell. Oh, Chuck Lid- the Iceman. Yeah. Out of nowhere from the top ropes. That's, That's an interesting one. Is so, he a Nebraska fan or is he? He's, he used to own a bar in Lincoln. Really? According, according to my friend Troy, he's telling me this right now. There so we go. There well, I mean, minutes. if he still owns the bar, they might just host game day down there and have him be there. There you go. Not a bad spot. All right. Thank you very much, Austin. Radio Network. I'm Shaylee Peters here in Kearney at the uh, NRD's annual conference and I get to visit now with a couple of different people. I've got a teacher and some of her students here with me and you guys are being awarded. You've got the award. You're being recognized for the Community Conservation Award. So first of all, congratulations. I've got Charlotte Hanslick. She is the high school science teacher for Niobrara here with me and just give us some background on why you received this award and uh, some of your project. Very good. Um, This is a a project that's been going on at our school for a good 15 years Um, and what our project involves is um, raising Gallery beetles to control purple loosestrife. Purple loosestrife is a a very highly invasive wetlands plant and if you've ever been to the Niobrara area you know that we are wetlands and the wetlands is very important around Niobrara environmentally 
Um, and it also supports our town economically because we have figured out through surveys that we have done that our town is reliant for 85% of our total income is reliant on out-of-town people coming to our town to enjoy the outdoors. So this is a very important project to our, to our community and to our school and to our students, I hope. Speaking of students, you guys have grown up then uh, experiencing a lot of this and a lot of this project. Congratulations to you guys too. Well, talk to the senior first, Strand Fritz. Um, give some of your involvement, your uh, background with this project. So I'd say my background with this project is I live along the river, so purple loosestrife is really interesting to me that it's such an invasive plant that ruins the wetlands, and I'm so glad that we have this project. I've put a lot of time in for Mrs. Hanslick, uh, digging up plants, finding beetles. We built a greenhouse recently, and I really enjoy doing it and helping out the community. Uh, what are some of the things as you uh, get set to graduate? Will this be on your radar in the future? Um, sadly, probably not. I don't think I'm going into any environmental fields, but I don't know, I'll probably always be around it. With the farm, I grew up on a farm along the river, so I guess it'll always be around. But Absolutely. A couple of juniors to visit here with, too. Cole Swanson, your junior, um, Narbrera, maybe talk about your involvement with this project. So, like Strand said, I uh, help Mrs. Hanslick with a lot of the stuff that goes into this, you know, uh, help build the greenhouse and dig plants and um, you know, raise beetles and stuff like that, that that is in the greenhouse to, you know, eat purple loosestrife and help kind of eliminate some of that. But, you know, go out and, you know, put those beetles in different spots to try to, you know, put a dent in the population for purple loosestrife and, you know, pretty much just trying to do as much as we can, can with this all the way around, trying to get rid of it. But, I mean, yeah. About it. What results have you seen? Um, well, about four years ago, well, from the start, it was when we started about 15 years ago, um, the population for the purple loosestrife was coming up, and then, uh, you know, over time where we were or targeting with trying to kind of, you know, get rid of it and stuff like that, it was going down, you know, actually doing pretty good. But then with the flood in 2011, that just kind of, everything we worked towards doing that just kind of down the drain, you know, spread spread the uh, plants all over in the wetlands pretty bad. And, you know, after that, we kind of worked back towards, you know, started right back at square one and got that going down again. But with this flood this spring, it's kind of just kind of right back up there. So... And finally, we visit here with Gavin Chohan. He's a junior as well. Talk about your involvement, Gavin. So this summer, I was with Cole helping water the purple loosestrife plants and then maintain the bugs. I did deliver some to a couple people over the summer. Um, helped out dig everything, stuff like that. And I'm looking at the environmental studies field, so this is kind of really helpful for me too, for career-wise. That does lead me to my next question. I was going to ask about your senior year and the involvement you'll have there, but it sounds like it may be beyond that. A little bit. I'm hoping to go environmental studies, and if I can, I will try coming back help out here. Um, as you, this project you mentioned was 15 years old, so uh, what you've taken, what you've learned in the last several years, you've been involved in even back 15 years. What sort of things are on your radar in the future to maybe experiment with or try and figure out? 
maybe try figuring out a different way to distribute the bugs, try getting more um, greenhouses and stuff like that popped up so we can produce more bugs, get more of them turning out a little faster so we can maybe reduce it even more as time goes on in less time. All right, congratulations, you guys, again, visiting uh, with the Community Conservation Award winners um, from Kearney for the Rural Radio Network. I'm Shaylee Peters. It is time for us to take a look at the business world and see what's going on in the overnights. Across the world, the Japanese Nikkei index was down, or excuse me, up 19. The Hang Seng in Asia was up 60. In London, the FTSE was down 34, and the German DAX index was down 35, much like it is right now in the United States. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 171 points right now at 26,000. The NASDAQ is down 116, and the S&P down 25 at this time. And as we turn it over to Bob Brogan. Stocks are down in afternoon trading as a weak consumer confidence report smothered investor confidence ahead of upcoming U.S.-China trade negotiations. The market initially sprang forward following Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin's confirmation that trade negotiations will resume the week of October 7th. Stocks quickly pulled back, however, after a, a report showed that consumer confidence fell sharply in September, in large part because of the economically damaging trade war and uncertainty over its resolution. Energy stocks were among the biggest losers as crude oil prices dipped. So consumer confidence is kind of uh, pushing the market down a little bit. Meanwhile, uh, home prices continue to rise, but the pace is slowing as modest sales are forcing sellers to keep costs in check. The S&P CoreLogic K-Shiller 20-City Home Price Index moved up 2% in July from a year ago. Several formerly house, uh, hot housing markets, such as Seattle and San Francisco, have noticeably cooled this year. Uh, German, uh, the Trump administration has issued a rule that will make overtime pay available to 1.3 million additional workers. The Labor Department is raising the salary level that companies will have to pay to exempt workers from overtime to $35,308 a year. That's up from just under 24000 So those are some of the things that are driving the markets today. All right, very good. I, I did hear, though, that uh, Las Vegas building, they're still building like crazy in Vegas, but Seattle and San Francisco are so expensive, you can't really afford to live there. I wouldn't doubt that at all. Uh, oil prices uh, down a little bit today, by the way, under $58 a barrel. Thanks, Bob. Catch the biggest NFL games this fall on KRVN. Find the biggest NFL names every Sunday at 106.9 in Kearney, 98.5 in Grand Island, and 880 KRVN. Chad Boyer with you once again here on the Rural Radio Network. And again, the Agricultural Business Council of Kansas City yesterday hosted their Ag Outlook Forum. Another guest speaker was Jason Halfmeister. He's trade counsel to the secretary at USDA. Jason talked about a few things trade-related and what sort of an opportunity there might be on the African continent for U.S. ag products. When I think about what's... Uh the real needle-moving opportunities for us, like China really moved the needle in terms of ag export. You know, India is potentially a second opportunity to do that. Real political challenges in getting India to agree to open its market. 
The third big chunk of people that could really, you know, really drive something would be in Africa. Two things. One, it's down the road. It's still a lot of poverty in Africa, a lot of institutional challenges in Africa. And so that's, they're not going to be a bunch of consumers there overnight. And second, uh, we have some competitive challenges there, mostly in the sense of it's geographic, I think, in that Africa is situated right there under Europe. And they've got a lot of political, historical, and commercial ties with Europe. And so that means two challenges for us. One is European businesses have a lot of advantages for all these reasons to sell into Africa. I mean, try flying to Africa sometime. There's not many direct flights to Africa. There's not many ships going to Africa. It's not easy to get a container to Africa. They're right next door. Uh, and second is, and this is a thing we work on a lot, is we're worried about Africans adopting EU standards instead of U.S. standards. So that means, are they going to treat biotech more like Europeans do or more like Americans? Are they going to look at growth promotants more like Europeans or more like Americans? Are they going to look at residues of pesticides more like Europeans, more like... So we are now involved in a sort of a, an intellectual contest about how they will shape what's permitted to trade into their market because we think there's long-term opportunity there. Halfmeister was asked what might motivate India to be more of a trading partner with the U.S. Well, in the short term, we are imposing tariffs on Indian products. Uh, as uh, Deputy Secretary Sensky said, we have revoked their tariff preferences where they had zero tariff access. Now they're paying tariffs on about $2 billion of exports. So they want those tariff preferences back. They may be willing to do some stuff for us. It's not a giant deal, it's just $2 billion, but there is a chance for some give and take there. Um, and so uh, that's, I think, one motivation. Sadly, the right motivation would have been, well, India needs to reform its economy, to have more uh, rational economic policy and encourage more imports of things it's not good at producing so it can focus and specialize on things that it is good at and then they'll have much greater economic growth. Uh, it's hard to be optimistic about that scenario. India is the world's largest democracy. There's all sorts of political challenges to getting rid of protection for very uh, powerful vested interests, Indian farmers. So that's the bigger challenge. That's going to be really unlocking that market to us for the kinds of things that we want to sell in great quantity, you know, the, the row crops that uh, we produce much more effectively than them, uh, dairy products. Uh, meat products, a lot of Hindus in India, but a lot of Christians and Muslims in India too. Fruits and vegetables, you know, great market for us in almonds and apples. Why can't we sell more of those to India? So really across the board you could see potential. But in the short term it seems much more incremental, sort of marginal opportunities for us. Jason Halfmeister is trade counsel to the secretary at USDA. He was a featured speaker at yesterday's Agricultural Business Council of Kansas City Ag Outlook Forum. On the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, here at the settlements, we got a pretty good close on the December corn contract. It not only closes on the high, but it beats that resistance level of 375. Yeah, for one month close high here on corn, I think you got to be looking at the forecast and be a little bit concerned. I mean, you guys are starting to move now, so you probably get a jump on it, but uh, Central Iowa 
eastward is starting to look at a weather change and it's going to bring about a lot of moisture to start and then it's going to turn cold so we're uh you know still a couple of weeks from from the cool starting but i think the market's looking at where we are here they're realizing it's going to be a couple of weeks at the early until it gets the the harvest rolling and that's in the best of weather uh you know you start factoring in some some further d- delays and losses to yield you know, we're starting to creep here. Are we pushing right up to five, uh, four dollars in the July contract. If that gets taken out. I think you make a quick run up to the May contract at four bucks. So I don't think there's a ton of upside here. I mean, maybe ten to fifteen cents because I think you're going to lose a lot of demand as we rally. But um, you know, it's very impressive to see us break out here. So I'm watching that. I'm also watching the December versus De- December futures as well, which is also trading at a month high. So we are resistance. So if you're looking to make some sales, it might be a decent spot to do it. Do with a quick reown with a call or something cheap that'll get you through the report next week. Then we go over to soybeans. It's still dry in Brazil. We have this possible weather change across the U.S. Does this look like China can't cancel those latest buys on soybeans? Yeah, well, I'm kind of surprised we're not following corn a little bit more. Um, you know, we got to try to get again a nine dollars last night. It just couldn't do it. So I don't know if that's more bullish for beans, the fact that corn's higher, or bearish for corn that, that soybeans can't seem to follow through. You know. I, like to think this presidential stuff doesn't matter when it comes to grain trading, but when you're starting to talk impeachment and you're in the midst of this trade deal, it might be a little bullish to see uh, some political pressure put on the president here. I'm not thinking that that would be uh, an ultimate uh, place we'll end up, but I think in the near term, it just causes some short covering and the idea maybe some demand will come on if, if we have a leadership change. We see strong gains in that to Minneapolis in the spring wheat contracts as we have the possibility of snow on the Canadian prairie, but it's not helping out. Is it because we have solid planting numbers on winter wheat? Well, the planting numbers are good, but I think you got to be real question about what's going to make it to harvest or not. The folks south of you are planting, but they're going to graze that wheat out. You look at the feeder cattle prices now, it, it kind of reflects that producers aren't really moving cattle into the market. I think they're going to put them on the pasture. Moisture is good down south as well. Uh, I look for acreage for the U.S. to be right around where it was a year ago for uh, the the winter wheat contracts, um, you know, by the time we roll around to spring wheat, who knows, maybe a little light there. But near term, good sign to see spring wheat leading. Casey should follow. Again, John Payne, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Find more at danielzagmarketing.com. That'll do it for our midday program here on this Tuesday on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divinity Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divinity deal. 